Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, everybody. So today, the sponsor for my podcast is my other podcast. I am launching Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. It launched Monday, October 12th. And hopefully it'll stick around for a long time. It features uh, women talking to other women about their journeys of their bodies and getting tips and commiseration and all the things we need so that we don't feel alone in trying to make our bodies feel better tomorrow than they do today. So check out Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And it's also a community now on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. So if you fall into that category like I do and so many of us, um, come join us. The door is open. The second episode in my weekly children's book blast is with the actor, director, author, Lou Diamond Phillips, who I knew from La Bamba, but of course has been in a zillion other things. I interviewed both Lou and his wife, Yvonne. I didn't know she was coming on, but it was a pleasure to have her. And the two of them are close collaborators, so it was fitting that she joined him. Here's a little more about Lou Diamond Phillips, and we're going to be discussing his new novel called The Tinderbox. Lou Diamond Phillips is currently starring in the Fox series Prodigal Son, having recently starred in the acclaimed Netflix series Longmire, based on the Walt Longmire mystery novels by Craig Johnson. Other recent credits include Amazon's Goliath, Sci-Fi's Stargate Universe, CBS's Blue Bloods, and recurring roles on Fox's Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Netflix's The Ranch. He received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Actor in a Short-Form Drama or Comedy for his roles in both Amazon's Conversations in L.A. and History Channel's Crossroads of History. Recent film credits include Warner Brothers' The 33, Created Equal, directed by Bill Duke, and Sundance Festival favorite Philly Brown, for which he was named Best Actor at the Imagine Awards. As a director, he has recently helmed episodes of AMC's hit series Fear the Walking Dead, Longmire, and ABC's Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. As a writer, Phillips has co-written the screenplays for Trespasses and HBO's Dangerous Touch. He wrote the Miramax feature Ambition. He recently produced his play Burning Desire, a romantic comedy in two acts, which received its world premiere at the Seven Angels Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. Phillips, I'm still going here. Phillips was also asked by his good friend, novelist Craig Johnson, to write the foreword to his collection of short stories called Wait for Signs. Originally born in the Philippines, Phillips was raised in Texas and is a graduate of University of Texas at Arlington with a BFA in drama. Drawing from a lifetime of work in the film industry, Lou used his screenwriting experience in order to write an original science fiction novel called The Tinderbox, Soldier of Indira. It is his first novel inspired by a reading of the famed fable of the same title by Hans Christian Andersen. And now we will hear all about it. Well, welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm delighted to have you here. Thanks for coming. Yay, thrilled to be here. Thank you. So your latest book is called The Tinderbox, Soldier of Indira. Indira, correct? Indira. Yes. Indira. Like Gandhi, actually, like Indira Gandhi. 
Yes. Okay. Perfect. That I know. So can you please tell listeners what this book is about and the amazing story of how the whole thing transpired, which you wrote in the author's note. Okay. Well, the original inspiration, my inspiration, so I'm going to start there and we'll back start there. up yes. to hers. Okay. My, my original inspiration were her drawings. When Yvonne and I first started dating and getting to know each other, you know, you know how it goes. She started reading a lot of my work and she started showing me, sharing with me a lot of her art, which is amazing. And in that batch of original art was a series of drawings in manga style that was inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's The Tinderbox. So, you know, looking at the drawings, I go back, I read The Tinderbox, which is like a three-page, five-page, you know, fable, fairy tale. Yeah, it's very short. Not one of his more famous ones. And, and it just, it just sparked, you know, this, this whole idea in my head. And her drawings to me were, were very evocative of kind of a post-apocalyptic, you know, Mad Max kind of wasteland, you know, feeling. And it went from there. And I told her it was, you know, a great idea for a movie. And she said, run with it. And I did, you know, I basically ambushed, you know, and hijacked her idea. Perfect. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, kept going back to the source material because as I've said in, in other interviews, I mean, uh, it's, I've always been a fan of, of art that begets art. West Side Story from Romeo and Juliet, a book called Grendel by John Gardner that was, you know, the bad guy's point of view of Beowulf, which is really hard to understand. I understood Beowulf a lot more after I read Grendel, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, thought, let's, let's create this fantasy, you know, sci-fi world. And it, it didn't, it, it's not that sci-fi jumped out at me. It's that originally we thought it would be a good movie. And Game of Thrones hadn't happened yet, you know, when we first started this process. And so I said, well, if we're going to make a movie, you know, and, and we're going to set it, you know, in this sort of otherworldly fantasy, you know, thing. Let's kind of take a nod from Star Wars and, and you know, do it in a galaxy. Yeah, time. exactly. And a galaxy far, far away that, you know, where we could create our own rules and, and uh, you know, have kings and queens and princesses and soldiers and whatnot. So that was where it all started. And, and the story is very simple. It's a soldier on a foreign planet who falls in love with the princess. It's very Romeo and Juliet in that respect. Amazing. And how did you, Yvonne, how did you feel about what happened to the drawings after the beginning? Well, my my original concept was not sci-fi or whatever (laughs) the world this is. I basically started drawing it back in, in, in the 90s because I was really into the manga comic book style. And this is before the internet was available. So you couldn't Google images or just go to the store. It wasn't it wasn't readily available. Like it I remember that time of life. I understand. <laughs> yeah, so there. So, you know, you'd go to the comics shop and you'd order something from a catalog and wait six to eight weeks for them to order it. And so I decided I was going to create my own content. And, and I'm not a writer and I'm very familiar with fairy tales. I'm, I'm from Germany. I grew up there and a lot of Grimm's and Hans Christian Andersen and all those stories that I grew up with that I took one of the lesser knowns because, you know, we know the Little Mermaid and we know all the, so I went, okay, I'm going to go a little bit lesser known. And I started animating a story that was already out there and in the manga style. And, and, and he says it's kind of post-apocalyptic and, and, and it was, but it was definitely not outer space. it was it was earthbound it was you know still witches and princesses and you know maybe more game of thrones fantasy earthbound not outer space i'm sensing a little discord here (laughs) (laughs) so when he took the idea and said oh i'm going to write a screenplay i basically washed my hands of it i'm not going to animate or draw or 
illustrating a screenplay and that was pretty much do whatever you want with it take the story it's kind of a, it's a cool story expand on it do what you got to do I thought I was finished with it and now here we are <laughs> yeah I mean that's well that's just it I mean it took on a life of its own I mean it really evolved it, it you know it, it, it kind of took over now, yeah, and I think people have to understand that this has been a 10-year process mm-hmm. You know, the father of the hero is King Raza the 47th. And, and the reason he's King Raza the 47th is because I was 47 when I wrote the screenplay, <laughs> you know. And so we write the screenplay and it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm very happy with it. She's very happy with it. Yeah. And then we realize this is going to be really, really expensive. And <laughs> nobody is going to let, you know, me direct it and us produce it. And, you know, we probably, you know, make a little money, you know, by selling it. But it's like that's, that wasn't really what we wanted to do. I mean, it started out as a, as a project for the two of us. And there, there was always the thought, you know, to novelize it, you know, just as part of the whole world, if you will. And then Game of Thrones happens. And, and you know, my manager, J.B. Roberts, says, well, you know, write the novel. I mean, at the very least, you've got that. And then, you know, if you sell the rights or whatever, you've created the world. And so now, and, and you know, I kept bouncing ideas off of, you know, Yvonne and, and checking in with her on, on you know, plot and, and, and just an overall feel for it. And, you know, went about the, the process of, of actually writing the novel and, and creating the world in more detail so that even if it gets bought out from under us, you know, this is what it looks like. You know, we've established that. I love how yeah. your manager is just like, yeah, just go ahead and write the novel as if that's like not a big deal. Like that's what everybody, that's, there are like thousands and millions of people just, that's all they want to do in their whole lives. It's like the one, sell the one novel. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because it is, it's easier said than done. And well, it took me 10 years because the day job kept working out, you know, <laughs> I kept acting and, and, you know, getting a job, and, you know, eventually got to the point where I could, you know, do a film or a TV show and write at the same time. But, but it wasn't as if I could devote eight hours a day to writing like, you know, uh, novelists who do this for a living are. And I think the reason that, you know, JB recommended that is because I, I've written a bunch of screenplays. I've written screenplays that haven't been produced. I've written screenplays that have been produced. But whenever I've decided to write something, it gets done eventually. <laughs> so he knew that, you know, I, I, I would do it, that it wasn't a frivolous suggestion. It just took a while. And I, I think uh, what's interesting is that, is that speaking of the, the collaboration, I really painted her into a corner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I stole the idea. She'd wash her hands of it. And then I wrote a novel and it's like, okay, illustrate this. And there's all this stuff in there. That wasn't her idea. You know, wasn't, wasn't what she imagined she would be doing. This is like how we learn the meaning of compromise in a marriage, right? And communication. And communication. I think it turned out that we did compromise because I ended up going back to really old school vintage sci-fi, more, you know, Flash Gordon, Barbarella, mm-hmm. as opposed to the high-tech sci-fi that we see in Blade Runner yeah. and, and that of today. So I still took my fantasy world and kind of did a big mishmash of everything else that, and, and tried a few new things that I wasn't as comfortable with and, you know, pushed the boundaries here and there up for myself. And I, I think we got a good mix. So it's not necessarily sci-fi what is expected, but it's not exactly earthbound like it is today either. Well, I mean, that, and that's, you know, that's something that I, I don't know, people always tell you after the fact, right? I didn't set out to write a sci-fi novel. Really. Yeah. I didn't set out to, to, to write in any category whatsoever. I wrote the story as it came to us. 
you know? And and now people go, well, it's sci-fi, you know? And it's well, it's YA. It's YA. I, oh, is it really? Okay, great, <laughs> wonderful. You know, my uh, uh, heroes, you know, are, are teenagers. You know, they're 19 and 17, I think, or 19 and 18. And so, yeah, I guess that makes it YA because it is very much a, a Romeo and Juliet story. But that wasn't the point. You know, I didn't set out to, to fit into any particular genre. And I think ultimately what happened with Yvonne's artwork is also a hybrid, which I think is wonderful because it, it certainly has that, that feel, you know, like the original Hans Christian Andersen drawings, but also, you know, a, a bit of Charles Vess and a, and a bit of uh, the Tennille drawings from Lewis Carroll and, you know, and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. But, but there are the, those touches of not only that, that really cool retro steampunky kind of sci-fi, but a graphic novel sensibility as well. So I, I think people will really, and, and she had to draw creatures that I made up. You know, she yeah, goes, I don't draw creatures. I don't draw spaceships. <laughs> I, it's, I'm reading the original Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland to my daughter, who's seven. And I was reading it and I was like, I don't know if this came across my desk, if I would even cover this. Like, it's weird. Do you know what I mean? It's a funny story. Like, who thinks of these things? And it, like, there's less rhyme or reason in that book than probably any other book in all the different ways that it goes off. And yet it's a classic and it's amazing. And there's like, I don't know, there's just no science to writing and things just take off and then they become successful. And there's like no formula. Really? I mean, no, well, exactly. And, and well, the truth of the matter is, that's like, you know, uh, one of the biggest criticisms. It's too formulaic, you know? Well, right. Yes, exactly. So, well, yeah, if you're going to be original and you're going to do something, then, you know, you kind of have to follow your heart. And, and obviously, there are, you know, certain ground rules and, and some fundamentals, you know, when it comes to writing. And, you know, you, you apply those, but you, you just can't compare, you know, writers. I mean, I mean, Franzen is very different than like my friend Craig Johnson, you know, or my friend Chris Bojelian. Both of those guys are different from one another. You know, their styles are different. I mean, Chris Bojelian, I mean, his, his, his style will change depending on his subject matter. You know, which I think is just amazing. I mean, his depth and breadth of research and, and you know, the worlds that he creates is, is wonderful. And by the way, both of those guys were instrumental in, in us getting to the finish line, you know, with this book. I mean, I was doing the series Longmire when I really started writing it in, in earnest as a novel. And showed Craig and his wife, Judy, the first couple of chapters. And, you know, I see, you know, I'm wasting my time. Is this, you know, really something that, you know, not, this is not for you, you know, <laughs> but they really liked it and, and encouraged me. And then Rogelian and the three of us were working on a, on a project together. And right now, uh, yeah. yeah, and he took a look at, at the completed novel and literally pointed us toward an agent and, you know, gave us some advice and has been a steadfast mentor in this whole process as well. So, you know, it's, 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 been, it's been a lovely journey and, yeah. we, and we've acquired some, some great friends along the way. That's amazing. I love Chris. And it was so nice of him to put us in touch. He's like, and I was like, how did you, how did the two of you meet? And he's like, oh, we met through Twitter, like everyone these days. And I was like, what? Well, I thought he was going to say we go back decades or something yeah. like that. No. No, it's one of those, you know, you know, that makes no sense. You know, if right. you wrote it in a book, they go, no, 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 no. But it's funny. I was reading Flight Attendant, yes. I think it was. And we both do a lot of reading. We're big readers. And she'll read something and then recommend it to me. And then so it goes on to my pile. And yeah. Oh, that's great. And so when he started reading it, he's like, is this guy on Twitter? I should see if this guy's on Twitter. Well, because once again, I'm reading the flight attendant goes, this would make a great movie. Uh -huh. You know, yeah, a little late to the party. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's already a miniseries now. But I thought, you know, because I'm, I'm always looking for something, you know, to, to, to do or to direct a writer, you know, just just and. And so, yeah, sure enough, looked him up on Twitter. There he was. 
not only was he a fan, but he's a friend of John Fusco, who wrote both Young Guns films. And John and I have stayed in touch over the years. And, and so it was one of those two degrees of separation. And we just happened to be going to New York within a couple of weeks right. of contacting him. Yeah, he was here. And, and so we, we had lunch. Yeah. And one thing led to another. And, you know, that's how we're working on a project. And we're actually, we're actually in the process of adapting one of his novels, once again, for a miniseries. And he wanted to take a look at some of my writing because it was like, you know, here, can we do this together? That's so um, great. Wonderful. Having a mentor is so important. And it's so funny because you wouldn't think, I mean, look how like accomplished you are in your professional life. And yet you need like a person or two just to be like, yeah, you're doing okay. You know, it's so fun. Like, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's when you're trying something new. Yeah, you know? no, it's true. Yeah, it's it's hundred percent. I, I don't think you can assume to be, you know, a champion at everything you try. But I mean, my, my whole career has, has been defined by, you know, jack of all trades kind of thing. You know, I write, I direct, I do theater, film, TV. And so I've said it many times, it's, it's all different branches of the artist, same artistic tree. You know, I'm a storyteller and I'm a communicator. And whatever platform or format that takes, it's, it's just getting down the, the technicalities of it. Well, yeah, which medium to choose. It's like you yeah. have all these cards in your pocket. You can just deal them out <laughs> wherever you want well, to spread well, your we'll, we'll see. We'll see how successful yeah. this is. But I mean, yeah. the, uh, the reception has been has been incredible so far. Just not only the, the, the some of the early reviews, yeah. which, which have been lovely. No, but, you're a beautiful uh, writer. You're really good. I mean, you really okay. are. And you never know when you open a book what you're going to get. And you're a good writer. So that's great. <laughs> As you well know, you know, <laughs> I'm not. The... You know, a lot of people automatically saw that. First of all, they thought it was a memoir which ain't going to happen until I'm 90. I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, it's unexpected. I don't think people thought that, you know, I was going to write you know, something not only fictional, but that was in this world. And I always liken it to when I, I did The King and I on Broadway. So many people thought, oh, the La Bamba guy is going to, you know, thinks he can be on Broadway. Well, you know, I mean, I have a degree in theater. It's, it's, it's my background, you know. And, and even though I'm not known as a writer, I've always written. I mean, I, 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 I actually set out to be a narrative writer, a prose writer in high school. And then, you know, the acting book bit. This whole acting career has really just derailed what your main goals are. Can't believe how much it's gotten in the way. <laughs> well, but, you know, what's interesting is that Yvonne has done so many things in her life. We met when she was a, a makeup, makeup artist. artist. Yeah, I, I obviously didn't become a graphic artist or an illustrator. I went into hair and makeup and, and special effects, makeup, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Again, very artistic. Did you meet on a set? Or yeah. how did you meet? Yeah? You know, she gave me a haircut, got all up in my grill. That's, no. <laughs> How's it? Yeah. But her art, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a gift. I mean, it's, it's a gift. She blows my mind to this day. And I've, I've always thought, you should be doing this. And I've also said, you know, so many ideas. I've stolen so many of her ideas. And believe me, <laughs> our, our production company, which is Fragis Day, you know, from the Jabberwocky poem, so many of the projects that we have in various stages of development are her idea. So there you you know, go. I'm, look at that. I'm riding her coattails. And, and I think at this point in life, she's, you know, I'm not having an opportunity to embrace some of the things that I think she is intending, you know, intended to do. I mean, she's just so gifted and so smart. Well, how amazing to have a partnership where both of you can reach your full sort of creative potential. You know, it's amazing. A lot um, of I feel like this never happens the first time. I'm on my second marriage. And like, I feel like my husband, Kyle, and I have the same sort of like synergy where like the more we talk, like the more ideas go flying out in different forms. And I feel like 
I never hear that about people with their first marriages. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's too, maybe there's just too much. Like, it's, it's, not my, it's my, it's first. your first. Okay. So sorry. Uh, so I'm then I'm wrong. That I'm out of the water. There you okay. Go. Well, you, you, uh, you changed <laughs> the trend for me then. That's amazing. <laughs> In the book, the character obviously is a soldier. Does the, mil- I know you have a military background in your family. Did that play in to the creation of this character at all? Uh, both of us, you know, have both of you do? Uh, yeah, a military background. It's interesting. A couple of things come to mind. I mean, first of all, Hans Christian Andersen's you know, short story starts with a soldier coming back from an unnamed war, clip, clop, clip, clop. And, and that is the imagery of the book, the first image. And the fact that it's an unnamed war and the fact that he's a soldier automatically, you know, in my mind, put him in a certain age range, you know. Because I think, you know, a lot, a lot of great war stories, you know, are, are from people who have just experienced this, you know, are, are still in the process of, of defining their own manhood, if you will. And I did a movie called Courage Under Fire with Denzel Washington and Meg Ryan, directed by the amazing Ed Zwick. And this was after he had done Glory. And I, and I asked him one day, I said, why do you keep doing, you know, war stories? You know, and he goes, well, first of all, the bang bang's exciting. You know, there's, you know, the, the big explosion, the, the effects and the hardware and whatever else. But... He's a very well-read man, a very smart man. And, and, and when you think about it, you go back to even Aristotle, who set a lot of things against war. Shakespeare set a lot of things against war. Conflict. Exactly. Because you have this conflict, but you also have a, a setting in which you can discuss the more, I don't know, grand aspects of, of human character of courage, of nobility, of integrity, of bravery, of all of these things in in what is truly a life and death scenario. And, you know, Hans's story is is a fairy tale and it leaves, you know, a certain tale and there's some magic involved and, and, you know, some, some just outlandish, fantastical, you know, adventures. But as a novel to me, or even as the film, I mean, it had to be grounded, you know, in a, in a real sense of, of humanity. And, and it's like, why are we doing this? What are we talking about? You know, and from all of that came the idea of creating this planet that's split in two. We have two different races of people who are fighting one another. It's, it's sweet because Craig Johnson said, you know, it was rather prescient, which I didn't think at the time. But, you know, it's here we are still again, you know, discussing race, discussing you know, peace, discussing, you know, where we're at in this, in this incredibly unsettled world. And, and though it's not meant to be a message piece, you know, there, there is still very much, I, I think, a morality tale at its spine. You know, the once and future king, uh, King Arthur, is really an anti-war, you know, statement. So, so, you know, having read, you know, my entire life, I thought, you know, I, I, can't, I can't set off on this journey and just do a frivolous story. There's got to be something a little bit more to it. So is it going to be a movie after all that? Now that you've backed into it, do you have any idea? Oh, yeah. We don't know yet. I mean, you know, it's for sale if anybody's got, you know, $100 million <laughs> laying around. <laughs> but I mean, and what's interesting is that, is that in the time it's taken to write the novel, that, that world has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, but what used to be a one-off, you know, now could easily be a miniseries you know, a limited series of sorts. I mean, you know, I don't know how many books Game of Thrones totally was based upon, but, you know, there is, uh, it, it has created a world. And interestingly enough, I mean, a lot of the people who have reviewed it early on said that they so love this world that they would revisit it. She came up with the idea for the sequel. So I'm working on nice. that. Nice. Oh, are you writing a sequel? Oh yeah. Yeah. Already working on it and, yeah. and literally bouncing it off of her daily. So you know. Yvonne, you're the mastermind of the whole she thing. She is the mastermind. We had a certain idea and was toying around with that for like almost a year. And then one day she came up with a different idea that was out of left field. 
And I literally went, well, that's it. That's it because it's unexpected. And once again, it's about something. And it's about something that's relevant. So, you know, working on that now and, and, and just very, very excited. And, and <laughs> this time, not trying not to go back into a corner with the drawings it's, as much. But it's all right. We're already there. Yeah. We're, we're there. I, uh, yeah. I would recommend approaching this a little differently, perhaps. <laughs> Butting heads a couple of times. <laughs> Last question. Do you have any advice? I was going to say to aspiring authors, but really anyone trying to achieve things in this creative way and to be storytellers. For me, it starts with creating your own content. You, you want to do something, do it. Whether it's for, you know, whether you're trying to sell it, well, just do it for yourself first. And somehow put it out there in the universe and something will happen, even if it's many, many, many years later. Well, I mean, but that's, that's the point. That, that, would, that would go toward what I have to say. And I said this to, to you know, young actors. And that, that's never quit. You know, you will never get an opportunity if you quit. Keep doing it, yeah. You never know what, what heights you're going to rise to. I mean, when I set out, I just wanted to be a working actor, you know. I was actually a very good uh, student in high school and, and whatnot. And when I decided to make, major in theater, you know, a lot of my teachers, my counselors, said, oh, no, oh, oh, yeah, well, what are you going to fall back on? And my standard answer was my ass, <laughs> you know. And, and so it, it's, first of all, you have to love it. You have to have a dream. But then the thing that, that, you know, so many people, and I, and I hate to say it, so many people who have this sort of overnight success, American Idol mentality, it takes work, you know, writing especially. I mean, you got to do it. You, 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 you can't say, well, I want to be an, I mean, our, our 12-year-old right now wants to be an author. And we love that. It's like, well, are you writing? Are you, you know, are you doing it? You know, and, and so some of it is just brass tacks. I mean, it literally is, you know, elbow grease. And, and uh, you have to put in the work. And even if you have a dream as, as, as an actor or an artist, I mean, or a dancer, or, you have to put in the work. It's a craft. It's an art. It does, it, you know, you may be talented. God bless you if you are, you know. But if, if, if you don't have discipline and you don't have commitment, then nothing's ever going to come from it. You know, there are certain people who get a break because they are talented or they're beautiful or whatever, but if they have no staying power, if they have no commitment to to the art, they tend to go away because, you know, I mean, especially in today's world, the the cycle is so fast that you're only flavor of the month for a month. You know, that's how it works. (laughs) A month is a long time these days. A month is a long time these days in a 24-hour news cycle, just seven this last week. But, but yeah. the thing about it is, is, is that I've, d- I've done this for so long as, as an actor and I've never given up the writing. It's because I love them both. And, and so it, it, it literally is. It literally is just physically, actively going after your dream. I love it. Well, thank you both for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and chatting. And tell me again, if you want me to FedEx it, I'll run down to the store. <laughs> no, you, you read it, you hold on to it. And when we get to meet in person, Okay. All right. Feel. Okay, good. All right. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to day two of the Children's Book Blast Week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to check out my new podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Pretty soon, moms won't have time to listen to podcasts. And check out the Instagram community that goes along with it. And if you would like to join, please request to join. It's for anyone who wants to feel body better in their body tomorrow than they do today. And it's a supportive group of like-minded souls who just need the community to achieve their goals. Moms don't have time to lose weight. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Music.